This month, 39 years ago, I started to attend this church. It was November 1979 and it was February 1980 when I finally surrendered my life to Jesus and received him as my Lord and Saviour. But I came into this church around late October, early November as a a young teenager on uh, the road to a life of, of misery, really. I was fast on the road to alcoholism. Um, I was a young man who didn't like himself very much, struggled with a very low self-esteem and wrestled strongly with a a major rejection syndrome. I don't know why I had a major rejection syndrome. Things happen in life that uh, go into the fabric of our soul that cause us to have a certain view on life and a certain view about ourselves that... um, Uh, can really have negative impacts that can cause you to spiral downwards in in a lot of ways. And so when I I came into this church 39 years ago, uh, I I was a young man who who didn't like himself very much. But I have gone from that young man, and I, I don't say this with any sense of arrogance or pride, it's simply a boast in the goodness of God and what Jesus being in my life has really done for me. But I have gone from that young man who struggled so much with those emotional bondages and soulish baggage into a a husband uh, with a great wife, married uh, 36 years last April. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean we haven't had our tough times or our challenges. Um, you know, Margot can be difficult to live with at times. And so, um, but I've gone from that young man to being a, a husband, to being a father of two sons that I'm very, very proud of, um, to being a, a grandfather, to being a pastor, and someone who, and this is what I want to be careful saying because I don't want it to sound like how good I am, but someone who has steadfastly stayed the course of fulfilling the call of God upon his life. And there's been a reason why that is the case. I've been thinking about this and, and processing this over the last couple of days, and, and it can be very easy for me to be cliche-ish today and say, well, it's just been Jesus. And, you know, I don't want to underestimate Jesus in my life. It, without him, I'm nothing. Without him, I can do nothing. And I, I fully understand that. But it isn't simply, well, Jesus came into my life and everything changed. Jesus came into my life. And as a result of that, things began to change because I cooperated with him. That's what made the difference. The thing that has kept me steadfastly on the journey of of fulfilling my God-given destiny, that what's been written in the book of my life, as David said in Psalm 139, what has kept me on that journey has been more than just Jesus in my life, but it's been Jesus working with me, helping me to do this thing called renewing my mind. That's what's brought the transformation. That's what's brought the change in my life. It's been him partnering and working with me as I have surrendered and submitted the areas of my life that have 
struggled or have been bound or have been oppressed, he has guided me and journeyed me through that process that has transformed me into a man that I believe is not easily shaken by the storms of life. I, I have faced storms in that 39-year period. I have gone through challenges. I have felt pain. I have experienced things that, that potentially could have uh, knocked the legs from under me or pulled the rug out from under me. And I have gone through stuff where I, I could have potentially thrown in the towel and walked away and said, this following Jesus is just too hard. It's just too difficult. But I haven't. I've, I've stayed the course. And I honestly believe that it hasn't just been the grace of God. But it's been this process called renewing my mind. You see, if I say, well, it's only been the grace of God, you've got a person who hasn't made it through the storms of life, who has thrown in the towel, would quite easily say, well, the grace of God was good to you. Why wasn't it good to me? The grace of God is available for all of us. The grace of God is good for all of us. And uh, the grace of God is available to all of us, but it still takes a surrendered heart and a willingness to bite the bullet, suck in the pain and, and look Jesus in the eye and say, help me get through this. Help me deal with the things in my mind that control the way I think. You know, what I, I found in my journey was not another self-help message. It wasn't like even worse, a, another faddish idea that if you do this, you will you will do well. What, what, I, what I needed to change in my life was not a new goal. It wasn't a, a new job. It wasn't a girlfriend. It, and I say a girlfriend rather than a new girlfriend because such was my self-esteem, I didn't even have a girlfriend. So um, I can't say I needed a new girlfriend. I didn't have the old one to get rid of to get the new one. So, um, but I, you know, sometimes you can think as a young man, if I just had a girlfriend, everything would be better. Everything would be different. Or if I wasn't in this job and I had a better job or I was in a different job that I enjoyed, then things would be better. Or if I just got a goal and something to fix my mind on, something to give me initiative, then I will get through the problems that I'm getting. That's not what I needed. What I, what I needed in my life was a very real and a very authentic, ongoing relationship with Jesus. It was a, an intimate friendship is what I needed where his voice in my life was very real. His presence in my life was very real. I didn't just need church attendance. I needed a relationship with heaven that was authentic. That's what was going to help me get through my process of overcoming the low self-esteem, the rejection syndrome, the bondages, the addictions that had already taken root in my life and were already starting to cause me to spiral down. But for that to happen, for me to overcome those things, for me to even start that journey in my life, I first needed to be born again. That was the first step. We don't use that term much anymore, but it's a very real biblical term to be born again. To be born again is to be spiritually recreated. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul said, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
Old things have passed away. All things have become new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is born again. Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 3, Most assuredly, I say to you, you must be born again or you will never see the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is the, the reigning and ruling of Jesus in the sphere of my life. If the kingdom of heaven is in my life, then that means I'm under the kingship of Jesus. It means he's ruling and reigning. If I'm under his rulership and his, his leadership and he is sovereign in my life and whatever he says goes, then I am in the kingdom of heaven. But before I can be in the kingdom of heaven, I had to be born again. Jesus went on and said in verse 6 of John chapter 3, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We are a spirit, we are a spirit being living in a physical body. Our body is alive, but until the second birth, the new birth where we are born again, our spirit is dead. It's, it's separated from God who is the source of all life. Our spirit exists, but it's dead. It exists, but it cannot contact God. It cannot connect with the Father. It cannot connect with heaven. You, you might uh, know about God. You, you might um, go to church. You might engage in religious activities and religious practices. But Jesus said you must be born again or you will never see the kingdom of God. When we are born again, our, our spirit is resurrected. The Spirit of God comes upon us and breathes something almost like he did to the first Adam in the Garden of Eden. He breathed into Adam the breath of life. When I surrender my life to Jesus, when I, I receive him as my Lord and as my Savior, at that moment, instantly, I am born again. The Spirit of God breathes into my dead spirit. And, and resurrects that spirit and reconnects me with heaven. But until then, I can go to church as much as I like. I can believe in God. I can claim to, to even pray, but I'm not actually connecting with God because my spirit's dead until I am actually born again. But when I'm born again, my spirit's recreated and it's rejoined with the spirit of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, the new birth, being born again. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. This new birth is a spiritual recreation. It's a spiritual change. What it is not is a physical or a mental change. It is only a spiritual change change. You have been reconnected with God. I've heard Christians say for many years, oh, when I got saved, everything changed. I don't believe that because change only takes place with the renewing of the mind. When I get saved, nothing changes in my life physically. When you're born again in that moment, you can feel great. And I, I certainly did. I felt the presence of God. I felt the love of God. I experienced something that, that is very hard for me to explain. It was a very real experience. I felt Jesus embrace me. Uh, but when I got saved, I had red hair. Before I got born again, I had red hair. After I got born again, I still had red hair. It didn't change. Nothing changed in my body. If you are overweight when you get born again, 
You will be overweight after you are born again. You know, you don't go to church one Sunday, get born again, and Jesus does everything and you walk out skinny. It just doesn't happen. If you are skinny when you are born again, you will be skinny. If you're bald, if you're strong, if you're weak, if you're muscular, when you're born again, none of that changes. It's the same with our mind. When I received Jesus and was in that moment born again, I still had the same fears. I still had the same questions. I still had the same addictions. I still had the same desires. I still had the same thoughts that I had before I was born again. But the difference was I now had God in my life who was about to take me on a wild journey of personal transformation. I have no doubt that when people are born again, something can change in that moment where people see something about their countenance. I believe it's because their spirits come alive. But they don't change from being someone full of fear to someone full of faith just because they've been born again. All they've done is connect with heaven and heaven now wants to start the process of saving our soul, our mind, our emotions and our will. I still had the same bad attitudes when I was born again. I still had the same reactions when I was born again. I still had the same low self-esteem. But only when I was born again, only then through the, that, that new power of his presence now in my life, beginning to help me renew my mind, changing the way that I think, only then could I truly begin to change. I believe that if I hadn't allowed Jesus access to every area of my life, if I hadn't fully surrendered, if I had just become a what Danny Guglamucci calls a churchian rather than a Christian, because we can be churchians. You know, a churchian is someone who just goes to church. A Christian is a Christ follower, someone who surrenders to his lordship and allows him access to the fabric of our soul that will change who we are. And then only then will we become new people and experience the salvation that becomes ours the moment we are born again. When God is not on the throne of my life, when God is not foremost in my daily life, foremost in my mind, I am still saved. Understand what I'm saying. When God is not on the throne of my life and I'm doing life the way I want to do life or how I think life should be done, but I go to church on Sunday and I, I have asked Jesus to wash away my sin. I've, I've confessed him as Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I am saved. By grace, I'm saved through faith. It's not of myself. But I, I can find that in my daily life, when God is not foremost in my mind, when I'm not walking daily with him, talking with him, asking him to, to redeem areas of my life that are out of alignment with his will and out of alignment with his word, I find that everything in my life subtly spirals downwards. I can be saved and have a miserable marriage. I can be saved and be frustrated in my job. I can be saved and be full of anxiety and fear and depression and all that stuff that so fills our world today. I can be saved but look no different to the people who are not saved living in the world around me. And the difference is the renewing of my mind. Paul wrote to the Roman church and in chapter 1, he says these incredible words. Even though they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, in their mind... We can do that as Christians. 
You know, he's talking about humanity here and what happens to people who do not have a focus upon Jesus and a focus upon their creator. But we can be saved and be like this. We can be saved and our mind is so far from God. We walk out of church on Sunday, don't give him another thought till we come back on Sunday. And sometimes the only reason we come back on Sunday is because our friends are there. Not because we're coming back to actually engage in worship that is authentic adoration and love for our Saviour. This can be us. Even though we might not retain God in our knowledge, in our mind, God can give us over to a debased mind, a degraded mind, a corrupt mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife. I've seen all of this in the church. 39 years of being in the church. I've seen all of this in the church, which is not fitting. It shouldn't be in the house of God. I've seen all of this in my life in the 39 years. I've seen things come to the surface because things have spiraled down because I might be saved, but I'm not retaining God in my knowledge, in my mind. He's not foremost in my daily life. I was listening to Caroline Leaf through the week and she was saying one of the greatest things we can do is acknowledge God every 10 seconds. That sounds exhausting. But she said, it's great for the mind. Every 10 seconds, you should acknowledge God. I honestly believe our relationship with Jesus should be so full on that we can't stop thinking about God. But he says that murder, strife, deceit, evil mindedness, they're whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving. What a horrible way to live. What a horrible, horrible way to live life. But yet I have found myself when I'm not retaining God in my knowledge, when I'm, I'm not giving God much thought and I slip into that mode of doing life in a way that seems right in my own eyes rather than, Lord, what does your word say about this moment? What, what This decision I'm about to face, what does your word require of me? What does your word tell me to do? How should I respond? How should I react? What should I say in this moment? Lord, what does your word say? If I'm conscious of God, he will guide me and direct me through every single moment of every single day. In the message, Paul says it like this. Well, Paul doesn't, but the message does. Since they didn't bother to acknowledge God, God quit bothering them. That's a scary thought. He let them run loose and then all hell broke loose. Rampant evil, grabbing and grasping, vicious backstabbing. They made life hell on earth with their envy, wanton killing, bickering and cheating. Look at them, mean-spirited, venomous, fork-tongued god-bashers, bullies, swaggerers, insufferable windbags. I've seen all this in the church. Not this church. Other churches that I've visited, I've never seen it in this church. But, um, you you know, the, the, the bottom line is we can read that passage and we can think, oh, thank God I'm not a part of that anymore. But sometimes we can slip into that and not even realize that we are gossiping. Not even realize that the words we're saying about someone are actually venomous. Not even realizing that we're not being truly honest and transparent, but we are actually being a little deceitful and not really telling the whole truth because we don't want to get caught out on something or we don't want to uh, have to pay more tax than we need to pay. So we actually get a little deceitful in some of the things in our life and we slip back into this same role. But when my mind is renewed... When my mind is filled with the knowledge of God, the knowledge of his goodness, 
the knowledge of his kindness, his love, his plans and his purposes for my life. Everything begins to change. Everything inside of me begins to progressively change. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, God will keep in perfect peace whose what? Mind. Mind. is It doesn't happen when you're born again. When you're born again, you connect with heaven and the journey then starts. His presence in your life at that moment then begins to take you on the journey of change, the journey of transformation, which can only happen through enduring our mind. I've met many Christians over the years that, that they've been saved for years, but their thinking's never changed. They still have the same fears. They still have the same phobias. They still have the same anxieties. They still gossip. They still run people down. They still judge other people. They're still condemning other people. You know, they, 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 can, they can find the speck in somebody else's eye while they miss the jacaranda tree growing out of their own eye. You know, I, I've been around a long time. And look, I've been guilty of that. But, but being born again, it doesn't change any of that. But sometimes we say, oh, since Jesus came into my life, everything has changed. Well, since Jesus came into your life and you surrendered and you began to cooperate with him as he molded you and shaped you and took you through the process of this thing called sanctification, the renewing of our soul, that's when things begin to change. So yeah, it is Jesus coming into your life, but Jesus coming into your life 40 years ago won't make a scrap of difference to how you live life now if you don't allow him to renew your mind. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed. How? By inviting Jesus into your life? No, by the renewing of your mind. So we can, we can receive Jesus, but if we do not then step into the process of renewing the way we think, nothing will change. You will still be unhappy in your marriage. You will still be miserable in your job. You will still be miserable in your body if your mind doesn't change. The New Living says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Let God transform you into a new person. Okay, well, I'll come to the altar. Jesus, transform me. Jesus, take away this fear. Jesus, take away this anxiety. There's the mirror. Oh, there it is. Oh, I got no fear anymore. It's gone. It doesn't happen like that. It's unbiblical. Yet we can get so noble and so spiritual thinking, I've just got fear in my life. I've got fear in my life. I just need a miracle. No, you need to renew your mind. That's the only way for transformation to take place. We need to renew our mind. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. This is the new living. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If we ever want to see the good, the pleasing, the perfect will of God for our life, we must move into the process of renewing our mind, changing the way that we think, changing the way that we see life, changing the way that we view those around us, those that are different to us. While our spirit is recreated instantly when we are born again, we must be changed through this ongoing process called renewing the mind. I've, I've discovered that even though I am born again, and even though I am saved from the eternal penalty of sin, 
I can still be conformed to the thinking and the ways of the world around me with all of its negativity, with all of its oppression, with all of its bondages, with all of its problems. I can be saved. I can be regularly in church. I can regularly raise my hand and look like I've got it all together. But internally, my mind can still be conformed to the negativities around me in this world. I can be on my way to heaven, but be living in hell on the journey. That is not the will of God. That is not the plan of God for our life. The plan of God for our life is to be living with peace and joy and strength. It's not to be trouble-free, but it's to have all those things in the middle of the trouble. Peace is not freedom from the storm. Peace is serenity in the middle of the storm. It's being able to look the storm in the eye with confidence and say, my God is bigger than you. My God can take me through this. My God will get me through this because my God is an awesome God and there's nothing impossible to him and I trust him and I believe him. And that, that is renewing my mind because there would have been a day years ago before I was saved, I don't know what I'm going to do. This storm, I don't think I'm going to make, I think I'm going to die. I think I'm going to be killed or I think my job's going to go, or I think my income's going to, my health's going to deteriorate. I don't know what I'm going to, no, I can look this thing in the eye because my mind's been renewed and I see it differently to what I did years ago because I now know who my God is and what my God has declared about me and the circumstances that I'm in. That's renewing my mind. If I'm going through life afraid of what tomorrow might bring, if I'm going through life easily rattled by the changing circumstances around me, treating my spouse badly, if I'm going through life angry, resentful, mad at people around me, if I'm going through life caught up in pornography and other debilitating addictions, jealous and envious over the successes of others, I might be born again, but listen to me, I am still conformed to the thinking of this world. And the Bible says, do not be conformed. You are born again. You are saved. It's time now to hold the hand of Jesus and and let him walk you through that journey of changing you through renewing the way you think. And when you change the way you think, you change the way you behave. The truth is, we behave the way we think. If I think a certain way, I'll behave a certain way. In fact, the book of Proverbs tells us that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. When my mind is changed the way I think... My whole life, my whole outlook, my whole perspective changes. It's transformed. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for what? Pulling down strongholds. Watch this. There's a pattern in this. and I've preached on this before, but, but let me just show you something here. The weapons that we have in God are mighty through the pulling down. One of the weapons is the renewing of our mind. One of our weapons is simply our connection with Jesus through being born again. The fact that I now am connected with heaven, the devil hates it because now I've got access to a power source that will enable me to overcome his tactics that previously brought me undone. So now I've got this connection with heaven and that's one of the weapons that we have. The, the connection with heaven, the, the, the process that Jesus takes us on to renew our mind, we can pull down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is all about renewing the mind. 
that how we fight the devil is not, not just praying more. It, it's not just yelling uh, in Jesus' name uh, louder than we have done in the past. That's not going to frighten the devil. What will frighten the devil is changing the way we think. There's a pattern here. Let's walk backwards through this. Paul says we take every thought captivity to the obedience of Christ. We pull down strongholds, then arguments, then high things, then thoughts. So what happens is we start entertaining thoughts. And I had this in the early days of my life. I'm not worthy. I'm not of any great value. I don't have many friends. I I can't get a girlfriend. There must be something wrong with me. And over a long period of time of, of struggling with those things or feeling like I didn't fit in or I wasn't one of the cool kids at school or whatever it was, there was all these things happening that fueled thoughts in my mind that I wasn't very good in life, that I wasn't as good as the next person, that I wasn't of any great value. I couldn't play sport properly. I had two left feet when it came to soccer. I, I, I couldn't play rugby league because my mother thought I was going to get hurt and she didn't want me to get hurt. So I got wrapped in cotton wool and then I became softer in the process. And I blame my mother now for all my problems. But, <laughs> but whatever it was, I, I, I developed these thoughts. And, but what happened was those thoughts became so prominent in my mind that they became a high thing. And a high thing is something we give copious amounts of attention to. So this thought of, oh, I'm not as good, I don't fit in, I'm not going out, I'm not socialising because you know, people won't accept me, people won't like me. What if I, if I tell people what I'm really like? What if they don't like who I am and where does that leave me? So I need to put on this mask, this face that I'm someone that I'm not and, and I entertain these thoughts and next minute my whole mind is just full of this. I'm not good, I'm not valuable I'm, and it's a high thing. And then when that high thing's up there, someone will say to you, some self-help guru will say to you, oh, no, you shouldn't think like that. You are valuable. You're, you're, you know, you, you've done this and you've done that. And, uh, you know, I've had people say to me, look, you play, you play in a pipe band. You learn the bagpipes. Not many people can do that. I thought, well, big deal. But not many people can do that. And you, you've done an apprenticeship and you've become an boy. No, you're okay. And so it's an argument now trying to fight the high thing. So we pull down strongholds, arguments, high things, And we take every thought captive. But the thought becomes a high thing, which then becomes an argument. And it can be good or bad. So the argument can be, no, no, I am of value. I am. I did do an apprenticeship and I I did pass. And I I, I have got a job and other people don't have a job. So I'm not as bad as these ones. I might not be as good as these ones, but I'm not as bad as these. And then we start comparing. It's an argument in our mind that's not healthy. And so these arguments then can go, hang on a minute. No, you are as bad as you thought you were. So the argument then goes the other way. So either way, it's not good. Because this way I'm comparing to make myself feel, you know, if you want to feel, if you want to feel good about yourself, hang around people who have really lost the plot. And then you start feeling, like, hey, yeah, I'm pretty good. But you hang around successful people and you'll start to think, oh, no, I'm not so good. That's an argument in my mind. And then that argument then develops into a stronghold. So a thought not taken captive and not brought into obedience to Jesus and what his word actually says about me, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, that God uh, went out of his way to find me, to save me, that, that his hand was upon me. You, you know, if I don't take that thought captive, it becomes a high thing that I focus on. Then I argue in my head and then eventually I, it becomes a stronghold. When I got saved, I had a stronghold in my life, a, a low self-esteem and a major rejection syndrome and then Jesus came into my life but nothing changed 
But what happened was I was connected with heaven. And because I stayed the course, and because I hung in there, the times where I didn't feel his presence, I reminded myself, but he said he would never leave me or forsake me. So I might not feel his presence. I might not have the goosebumps, which everybody loves. Everybody enjoys those moments when the presence of God comes flooding into the room and you feel good. We all like feelings, but feelings aren't always facts. I might feel like God is not here, but he is here because he says he's here. He will never leave me. He will never abandon me. So I take the thought captive and I, I, I remind myself. And then when Jesus came into my life, he then started me on this journey. So I don't want you to think like that anymore. I don't want you to behave like that anymore. And the only way you're going to be able to stop behaving like that anymore is to change the way you think. So I want you to start thinking this way. I want you to start renewing your mind according to the word of God. Strongholds are oppressive bondages that hold us in fear. They hold us in worry, in anger, in resentment, in impulsive behavior. Strongholds are, are things that hold us in destructive behavior, addictions, and the list can go on and on. They have all developed from thoughts and attitudes that have eventually gained a solid grip on our mind. But the good news is they can all be torn down. They can all be torn down. It's not an instantaneous change, though. And this is the bad news today. And I hope you don't switch off. But to actually be transformed, to be changed from a, a miserable, unhappy, broken, fearful, paranoid kind of a person, to be changed from that, it actually takes discipline. It takes determination and it takes a desire to make it happen. Remember, grace is the end of earning but it's not the end of effort. So to be transformed takes effort for me to connect with Jesus. It takes effort for me to self-evaluate and stop and focus. You know, it's not, it's not denying reality. I struggle with these Pentecostal fruitcakes who just, who just say, well, just tell yourself it's not there. I have fear. No, you don't have fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. You say, I do not have fear. Truth is, I do. And I think we can become schizophrenic and we mess with our own heads by going, no, I am not afraid. I'm not afraid. I've not been given a spirit of fear. Why am I still afraid? I've been given a spirit that's not of fear, a spirit of confidence and grace by the power. Of, but I still feel fear. Don't say that though. Okay, I won't say that. I am not afraid. I am not afraid. I am, I am not afraid. I am not nervous. I am, I am not, not rattled by anything that's happening around. People think you're a nut job. You know, it's like, no. Well, what we need to do is sit and say, Jesus, I am afraid. Jesus, I am struggling with this. But it's not your plan for me to be like this. Help me to overcome this. Once again, I just surrender to you. Thank you for coming into my life. Thank you for resurrecting my spirit when I was born again. Thank you for connecting me with heaven. But Jesus, take me on this journey. I don't want to feel fear anymore. And I felt it for too long. But now I know you and fear does not belong in my life. But Jesus, the reality is fear is there. And I want you to help me overcome this. And you know something? Else? Well, now we can start the journey. Let's renew your mind. Now, I've not given you a spirit of fear. Okay. So this thing does not belong in my life. You've given me a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And I want to tell you something else, son. I want to remind you that your steps 
are ordered by me. And though you fall, you will not be cast down. Is that, is that true? My steps are ordered. You've not given me the spirit of fear. Okay, so I'm going to face this thing that has so frightened me for so long. And I'm just going to look this thing and, oh God, there's still that fear in my, yeah, I know, but it'll go. Yeah, you just keep trusting me. Your steps are ordered by, but the wheels fell off yesterday. Yeah, but my, my steps are ordered by the Lord. And I knew the wheels were going to fall off and I knew this was going to happen. So I stay the course. And as I do that, I begin to overcome in an area. And that overcoming then boosts my confidence and the fear begins to diminish and the faith begins to rise because I get to know my God and those that know their God can be strong and do great exploits. It's the process of renewing my mind. Don't tell yourself, I'm not afraid. Don't tell yourself, I'm not addicted. It's, that's the power of positive confession. I believe in the power of our words. Don't get me wrong. I believe we shouldn't speak certain things over our own life, let alone those around us. But it's not a simple thing of what I, what, you know, blab it and grab it is what they say. Confess it and it's yours. It's like there's power in our confession. But the confession needs to be, Lord, I have fear. But I confess now into the heavenly realm around my life. I have not been given a spirit of fear. This fear does not belong in my life. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. And I, I, I'm going to start. My steps are ordered by you. You will never leave me nor forsake me. And, and, and as I talk to him and work with him, I, I actually begin to believe it. And then I start to overcome the fear in my life. But then something major goes wrong, hits me out of left field, knocks me off my feet. And rather than then say, well, what happened there? It all fell apart. Jesus has left me. It's like, no, you said you'd never leave me. My steps are ordered by the Lord. You've allowed this to happen because you want to keep taking me on this journey. You want me to learn to get up when the pressures come. You want me to learn to fight when the pressures come and you want me to learn to fight with the truth of your word. You know, there's a difference between facts and truth. And you've heard me say this. The facts are you're sick, but the truth is by his stripes you're healed. And we have to walk out of the facts into the truth for the facts to begin to change in our life. Do you hear what I'm trying to say grace is the end of earning but it's not the end of effort I'm absolutely convinced that it is the grace of God that has brought me this far but it's been his grace that's been released through my surrendering and my partnering and my working with him in cooperation when he puts his finger on things in my life that I don't want to let go of things that I don't want to change attitudes that I've held when he does and I think oh it's too hard to stop that it's too hard to start doing I said but Jesus is this what you want for my life when I'm surrendered into his hands and his purpose and plan for my life that's when things begin to change it's called renewing the mind the Bible does not say be transformed by receiving Jesus that's the starting point it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the way you think. You know, we, we sometimes have this mindset, well, I'm born again now, I'm going to heaven, that's all I have to do. No, Paul goes on and says about the salvation of our soul. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's now a journey. I'm born again, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. But by golly, I don't look like a Christian. 
I don't look like a reflection of who he is. You know, my attitudes are not good. My responses, my reactions are not good. I, I want Jesus to walk with me, work with me, shape me, mold me. You know, some of the things that I've faced in life, uh, some of the things that I have perceived people have done to me has filled my heart at times with anger and resentment that has not been godly. And I've had to get in the presence of God and, and I've started to pray, God, kill them. God, get them. God, and I was more like the sons of thunder than I was a Christ follower. You know, when they, they rejected Jesus in that town and they said, shall we call fire from heaven? Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you are of. I've been like that. But he wanted to work with them and change them and transform them into someone who would just forgive easily, someone who would turn the other cheek readily, someone who would just, just pick themselves up and go, well, I made a mistake then or I, I missed a turn then or the devil got me then. You know, sometimes we blame the devil and half the stuff, it's our own stupid fault. Some of the things that I've blamed the devil for over my life have just been, no, it wasn't the devil. When I look back, it was my own stupidity. It was the choices that I made because my mind wasn't renewed. So I'd make a choice. You know, don't, don't say when we, are, we sin, God tempted me. God doesn't tempt anyone, but we sin because we're lured away by our own desires, the Bible says. And then we say, oh, well, the devil did it. No, the devil didn't do it. You were lured away by your own desires. And sometimes our desires can be for revenge. Sometimes our desires can be for things that we shouldn't have. Sometimes our desires can be to sleep with our girlfriend or our boyfriend. But I want my mind renewed so that I follow the perfect will of God for my life, the perfect will that is pleasing and right and just. Uh, you know, I said, God, help me to overcome those desires so that I can walk with you into the fullness of all you've called me to be. Is that okay? We've got to spend time in the Word of God. We've got to face reality. Sit in the presence of Jesus and say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what's happening in my mind. This is what's happening in my body. It's, it's a fact. It's reality. But it's gone on for long enough. I want this to change. Show me through your word what I need to start believing, what I need to start confessing, what I need to start declaring over my life, and then speak it into the atmosphere around your life. Things will begin to change as your mind begins to change. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When those thoughts come, don't, don't entertain them. Just say, now, hang on, this contradicts the word of God. Oh, I'm not of great value. Oh, I, you know, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll go and eat worms. Fat ones, skinny ones, small ones, big ones, worms that squiggle and squirm, bite their heads off, suck their guts out, throw their skins away. That's how I get big and strong, worms through. We used to say that when we were kids. You know, don't, don't, say, hang on a minute, I'm not going to entertain that thought. I'm going to take that captive. I'm going to cast that down. I'm not even going to allow that thing to go to a high thing, which can then become an argument, which then turns into a stronghold. I'm just going to cast it down. Say, no, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Even though what that person said to me yesterday was, was mean and nasty and, and maybe I, my behavior would make them think I am like that. Truth is, I'm not like that. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am loved by God. You know, Jesus suffered and died on a cross for me because I am valuable in his eyes. Jesus, I've probably said things to people I should never have said. Help me to be kinder. Help me to treat others as, you would, as I would have them treat me. In fact, I think, Jesus, you might have said that somewhere along the way. Let's not just worry about overcoming what other people say to us. Let's overcome what we say to other people as well.